Welcome to the 2011 Region 2 Convention. My name is Judy. I'm a compulsive overeater from Sacramento, and I'm the moderator for this session. Please help us preserve our cherished, cherished excuse me, tradition of anonymity by refraining from taking pictures in this or any other meeting room. Will everyone who cares to please join me in the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. The title of this workshop is Daily Inventory, an Accurate Self-Appraisal. The format for this session is a reading from our literature, one speaker, a group participation exercise, and group sharing. If necessary, we'll provide paper and pencils for the exercise for those who need it. May I have a volunteer to read a selection from page 84, paragraph 2 of the big book? Come on up. Come on down. <laughs> Here it is right there. Hi, I'm Ellie, compulsive overeater. Step 10 suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleared up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God to remove them at once. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. Our speaker is Colleen from North Hollywood, who will speak for 20 minutes and then explain the exercise. Hi, my name is Colleen. I'm a compulsive overeater. And uh, good morning, everybody, bright and early on a Saturday. Awesome. Uh, thank you all for being here, and uh, I want to thank you for those who asked me to come and be of service. Um, just to qualify briefly, um, I, let's see, on August 4th, me willing, I will have nine years of abstinence. Um, my top weight when I came into this program was 307 pounds, so I've been maintaining 160 pound weight loss as a result of working these steps. And uh, so I have a picture book that I, I've passed around, um, just in case you don't believe me. <laughs> Sometimes I don't believe me. It's, it's amazing. Um, yeah, thank you. All right. So, um, you know, step 10 to me is, um, is one of the most vital and important steps. And, um, in part because of the word that is contained in the step, which is continue. 
Because myonic thinking is that I'm going to get it done and then I can just chill. Because as an addict, I just want to be, like, checked out. So whatever I can do to get it done, I'll be over with. But step 10 is the one that reminds me that I must continue to do this work. And, you know, one of the things that um, I have learned in this program is that my consistency is very um, proportionate to my level of recovery. And step 10 is something that I have to be consistent about. You know, that um, it's something that I have a practice that I do a 10-step every night. I'm not perfect. I don't do it every single night. Um, but I have a specific format that I use where I ask myself certain questions and actually comes from directly from the big book, and I'll, I'll go into that. Um, but I'm also, because I'm a compulsive overeater, I have an inventory of my food, um, and I do daily work around... Um, other pieces of my program. My 10-step is kind of my check-in that I, I happen to do at the end of the night. Some people do it in the morning. As far as I'm concerned, whatever works, as long as you do it. Um, I didn't start off doing it. I got to that point. In the beginning, um, you know, you have to work. The whole idea is that it's step 10, so you work steps 1 through 9 before you get to doing a daily inventory. Um, but what I'm going to do is actually go a little bit in-depth um, adding to what we read earlier, just because for me, you know, the, the big book is a blueprint for living. And so the answers that I need in terms of how to live my life come from this book, and they give me specific instructions. So when it starts talking about on page 84 in the big book, it says this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take, continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new, new mistakes as we go along. So this tells me two important things. One, I must continue, so I'm not going to get it done. And the other thing is, is I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to make new mistakes. So there was no, like, because I was always looking for, like, the purification process. You know, my sponsors are always reminding me that, like, there are no applications out for sainthood. <laughs> so I need to, like, throw mine away. You know, I'm always looking for, like like I said, just getting it done, you know, clearing it all out, you know, with inventory wasn't, you know, enough. And that's why I always kind of laugh when I hear people talking about doing their four-step and they want to get it all out. And I'm like, that's just not possible in my experience, you know. And I've done a number of four-steps as I've gone on through the steps because, you know, when you get to 12, you go back to one in case nobody told you that. I'm here to break it to you. Um, so, you know, the thing is, is that, but with... A daily 10-step, that four-step that I work on is pretty small. It's usually focused on a specific area. You know, I don't have to spend a lot of time being in remorse and regret, um, which is a lot of what my first four-step was. Um, so it tells me that I'm going to make new mistakes, which, by the way, is a huge relief because I always thought because I made a mistake, I was a mistake. And I learned that, that in this program that's also not true. It means that I'm a human being and I don't do everything perfectly and I don't do everything right, whatever right is. You know, what I've learned is a way of right living in this program, but sometimes what's right and true for me isn't right and true for you, and sometimes we clash. But you know what? I've learned a way to get along, you know. So the next thing it says is we vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. 
I don't know if you've noticed, but in the big book, Bill does not mince words vigorously, meaning like you're going to get your hands dirty. This is going to cause a little sweat and tears. It may be a little bit painful, but we're going to vigorously commence this way of living. We're going to begin living this way as we cleaned up the past. So now that I've, I've already done my four steps, I've done all the stuff that's in the past, the 10th step is about focusing on like daily what's going on. We've entered the world of the spirit. So we're doing this from a place of being in connection with God, because that's what we did a lot of in steps two and three, was we made that connection with the power greater than ourselves. So this 10th step is not about me picking up that freaking huge bat and beating myself over the head, because that's looking at it simply from my perspective. And the other thing that I learned is that step 10 is very much intertwined with step 11, which actually, if you read in the big book, the question format that I have for myself when I do my 10th step is actually in the part of the big book that talks about step 11. So it tells me that I must do it in relationship with a power greater than myself because I have to look at my day from that power's perspective, not my limited perspective. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. Huh? What do you mean, like, grow in understanding and effectiveness? Well, first of all, it's telling me I'm going to grow. By the way, growing is painful. Just a little note, okay? Um, And understanding and effectiveness. I'm going to learn how to be effective. How much time and energy did I waste spinning about myself, obsessing about me and my weight and what I look like and what I was eating, what I wasn't eating, and, you know, what so-and-so did to me? It's a very ineffective way of living because it's kind of like living like this. You know, like I can only see me. It should continue, there's that word again, for a lifetime. So that's the, by the way, Colleen, I know you keep looking to get it done, but if you're going to live, you must continue for a lifetime. So I apparently signed up for a life sentence and I didn't know it. (laughs) Continue, again, there's that word, to watch. Not beat yourself up for, not make yourself wrong for, but to watch. Just look. You know, one of the gifts that I get from this program is having a whole new set of eyes through which to see my life. And what do I watch for? I watch for selfishness. I watch for dishonesty. I watch for resentment. And I watch for fear. Those are the things that I keep my eyes open for. Because I'm an addict, okay? I'm going to be selfish and self-centered. It tells me that. At least I know. You know, it's like, oh, okay. Dishonesty. I'm always going to look for how can I get away with this. You know, that's just sort of my default. Resentment. You know that thing where, like, I play something over and over and over again? I don't know if any of you are familiar with that. And I continue to feel bad and feel bad and feel bad, and then you're wrong, and yeah. That one. And then fear. That's a big one for me. You know, they talk about in the um, 12 and 12... um, that I think they refer to fear as like the termites that ceaselessly devour. Yeah, those are the ones, they're like in my bed, they're everywhere, you know. And one of the questions that I answer in my 10th step, which always I have a fairly amount to write on, I always get excited when I look at the end of the day and it's very small, is where was I afraid? I always have to ask myself that because that was how I lived. I lived in a box of fear. I had to be over 300 pounds to do that, but that's, very much, and that's my go-to. I go there before I go to anger, before I go to resentment. It's, it's fear. And actually, I've learned that um, anger, what's usually behind that, is fear. 
when these crop up, so they're going to pop up, you know, and sometimes you know how things are sort of like, where did that come from? That's how they happen. It's like, ooh, that's what's going on. We ask God at once to remove them. So again, it's about that relationship. Because I can't take, if I could have taken away the resentment, if I could have taken away the fear, the selfishness, the dishonesty, I would have done it. But I can't. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. So I need to talk to somebody else about this. Again, it's very much like step four and five. You know, I need to admit to someone this is what it, that's why I send my 10th step to my sponsor, not because I want her to be my therapist and tell me that I'm okay. It's because I need to share with somebody. And I do it immediately if I need to. Um, I make amends quickly if I've harmed anyone. So there's different kinds of inventories. One of the ones they talk about is a spot check. And that's when you're in that moment and you can just kind of tell, like, mm, maybe that wasn't the, re- the best way to handle the situation. So if you can immediately make amends for that, then you do so. It's something that you may need to sit with for a little while before you determine what your next course of action is. You need to talk to someone before. But again, it's about being vigilant. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Huh? You mean I don't get to, like, stay and, like, oh, my God, I can't believe I was being selfish and dishonest and a bad person picking up the bat again. No. I take care of it, and then I turn around and go, how can I help you? Let me get out of me, because me and focusing on me is a problem. Love and tolerance of others is our code. So it doesn't say love and like. It doesn't say love and if you make me happy. Love and tolerance. Tolerance means I'm willing to put up with. That's not the official dictionary definition, but it means acceptance. It doesn't mean understanding. It means acceptance. And that's really important because there's a lot of things I don't understand. There's a lot of things I want to understand, and I used to think that in order for me to accept it, I had to understand it, but that's not the case. In order for love to occur, there simply needs to be acceptance. I'm sure that there's many a time when my God goes, what were you thinking? But he never questions how much he loves me because he simply accepts me the way I am. And then it tells me, it goes into, and I love these because the program is full of them, these promises, the 10-step promises. If I live my life this way, if I do these things, I will have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even food. Wow, really? Like, that's cool. Like, I don't have to have an argument with a freaking piece of pizza about which one's bigger and how I'm going to get this one or, you know, like how I'm going to eat this when you all leave the room. I I don't have to have this, like, duel and, you know, get in the fighting ring with a pretzel. You know, I think I'm like, this time, yes, no, and I'm down again. For by this time, sanity will have returned. Oh, thank God. You mean there'll be some, like, reprieve from this? I won't be like, woo all the time. We will seldom be interested in food because I'm more interested in my life. 
because I've gotten past this symptom that the food is and gotten at these things, this selfishness, this dishonesty, this resentment, this fear that I'm watching, I see it for what it is. And for me, the way that works is that I find that when I am thinking about food, it's because those other things are going on underneath. So it's a little flag for me of like, oh, maybe there's something going on that I'm not aware of. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. That is definitely the case for me. My alcoholic foods, it's like they're cardboard. It's absolutely amazing to me. I just don't even go there. Just don't even go there. And sometimes if I find myself sort of romanticizing or whatever, I call somebody. I do what it tells me to do here with the 10th step. See, because for me as a compulsive overeater and being somebody, I don't know if any of you experience this, have food is around all the time, people are always eating. I have to be vigilant and I have to have a 10th step practice around my food as well as my life. We react sanely and normally. <laughs> you get basically fool everyone. <laughs> And we will find that this has happened automatically. I didn't wake up one day when I was started doing my 10th step and go, wow, look at me, I'm totally different. I'd turn around and go, oh my goodness, my life looks completely different than it did nine years ago. And I don't understand, like it just happened. It happened because I did the work, because I continue to do the work. We will see that our new attitude toward food has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It's like I had a lobotomy or something. Like I can't even tell you, I had, first of all, a couple of months ago, I celebrated uh, my natal birthday, and I had a little party, and I had an ice cream cake, so there were going to be normal people there. And uh, they brought the cake out and the candles. I blew out the candles, whatever. It was a complete non-issue. It's, um, there was like half of the cake was left over, and it's still sitting in my freezer like two months later. I don't even, like, it's not even there. I don't even notice it. I should probably throw it out because probably it's freezer burn at this point. But, like, do you understand that at over 300 pounds, it would have been, like, I would have eaten the rest of that cake that night. And the only reason I wouldn't have eaten the whole thing was so that I could have some for breakfast. So that I could have something to hold me over before I could get to the store to get whatever else it was I needed. Like, it's just, you know, mind-blowing, okay? It just comes. That is the miracle of it. It is a miracle. This program is a miracle. You work these steps, they will change your life. You will not recognize yourself. We're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. I don't not go, like, I didn't not get the cake because, you know, I don't eat that stuff. Like, I knew there were people at my party who would like that and who would enjoy it, and I'm really happy for them. We feel as we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. My experience is I felt completely unsafe my whole life. And it's only now I get that I'm completely safe and protected. And I get that through my connection, through my higher power. And that happens through that daily check-in that I have in my 10th step. We've not even sworn off, right? How often did that work? <laughs> Tomorrow, it'll be different. I'll never eat this year or at least not here with this person, or not here with this person on this date, or, you know, whatever the madness was, right? Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. It's just, it's not there. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. You know, I, I can't be boastful about this because I didn't do this, but I don't have to be afraid either. That is our experience. That is how we react so as long as we keep in fit spiritual conditions. So again, with this 10th step, it's talking about that connection with the power greater than myself. 
And it says to me, it's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. How many times at the end of the night I've been like, I don't need to do the 10 step. I'll do it later. And for me, and, and where I am in my recovery is, and I've done that. When I go a couple of nights or whatever without doing it, I can feel it. Like, there's a difference in how I live my life. All of a sudden, I'm much more anxious. I'm much more on edge. People are more irritating to me. And I don't understand that. I really don't understand it. I don't understand how it is that me not, like, doing an inventory all of a sudden makes me a little less effective, um, a little more irritated, a little more selfish, but it does. So here's the thing. I just pick up and start doing it again. That's the miracle of it. You know, I don't have to bring out the bat and, oh, my God, you shouldn't have done that. And, no, I just pick up. And if it's in the middle of the day, it's in the middle of the day. I can stop and do a little check-in inventory for myself. Um, and it tells us we are headed for trouble if we do, for food is a subtle foe. So that's when all of a sudden the food starts talking to me and it's a little bit more interesting and I'm obsessing about it and thinking about me, about my weight, and I'm not focusing on you. What we really have is a daily reprieve continued on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Are you getting this whole thing? Like the maintenance, the continuance, the spiritual condition. It's about the spiritual condition. It's a spiritual malady. It tells me in the big book. It's a spiritual malady. And when that is addressed, I straighten out mentally and physically. And says... Every day is a day where we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. Whose will? God's will, not my will. How can I best serve thee? <laughs> yeah, that was not my MO before. I didn't wake up and go, how can I be of service? <laughs> I was like, how can I get mine? But I never looked at it that way. You know, like I was so crowded out with food and I was so drugged out, I didn't realize that I was living very selfishly. Thy will, not, and has not mine, in parentheses, be done. And so for me, you know, part of that daily work is actually when I wake up in the morning, um, as best as possible, the first sort of audible thought is I thank God for my absence and the opportunity to be of service. And those two things just remind me that this is what I'm here for. These are thoughts which must go, must go with us constantly. Not some of the time, not maybe, constantly. So I constantly need to be, and the way I look at it is this. I didn't make the sun come up this morning. Okay, technically make the earth spin so that we could see the sun come up. Um, but something bigger than me did. Something bigger than me has some sort of handle on the fact that, like, we need sunlight in order to, to live well. So I have to think that that something perhaps maybe has my best interest at heart and has an idea that, like, how I might best play a role in the world. Because even with my grandest ideas, I'm still kind of focused on what's going to work for me. Because it's my world. That's what I know. I, I don't know all the things that are going on for all of you. So I don't always know the best way to approach you. And I don't always know the best way that, like, how I can be of service. 
So I have to connect with something greater than me that will perhaps give me some insight as to how to show up and be around you so that I can truly be of service. And it says, we can exercise that willpower along this line. All we wish is the proper use of the will. So it tells me that, like, it's not that I don't have willpower or whatever. It's that how am I using that willpower? How am I using that decision-making? You know, it also tells us in the big book that God gave us brains to use. You know, like we should use them. So I don't get to, like, sit and, like, meditate and try and be all spiritual and, like, think my body is going to move itself. I actually have to get up, you know. Like, just, like, I can't. If I, when I recognized that pizza was alcoholic food, I couldn't just keep eating it, hoping I was going to stop eating it. I actually had to stop eating it <laughs> and be uncomfortable, you know. I had to be willing to call somebody and be like, you know what, I can't put it down. Help me. You know, I have to take the action. Like one of my sponsors that I worked with for many years gave me this example. She said, you know, there's a, a spiritual book that talks about how this God provides um, – you know, for like the smallest of animals or something like that, and why wouldn't God provide for me? And she said, you know, like birds or whatever never have to worry about there being enough food. Like they're not freaking out at the grocery store or anything like that. But God doesn't put the food in their nest. The birds still have to go out and get the food, you know. So I still have to do the work. And that's very much what, what Step 10 is about. It's about taking that action, about being accountable, about being vigilant. And so then it goes on to say, as much has been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. And, you know, him, he, she, it, whatever your higher power is. If we have carefully followed directions, so if I've done what it's told me to do, I've begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. And that's very much my experience. Like, there's a way that I handle things in life that I never was able to handle before. To some extent, we have become God-conscious. It's funny, I used to God-conscious. I, um, years ago, taught religion, actually. Um, I have a degree in religion. <laughs> really, that helps me a lot, obviously. <laughs> Self-knowledge avails you nothing. I'm complete proof of that. At over 300 pounds, I'm teaching religion, yes. All right, so... Um, and a few things I had to work on. So the the thing is, is that I used to um, do this thing with my students where I would ask them to um, to tell me they should do journal, and I would tell them to once a week they had to do a what I called a what was it um, God incidents because I didn't believe in coincidences. So I I used to say coincidences were God's opportunity to show up. I've read somewhere somebody anonymous said like coincidences or God being anonymous or something like that. So I would ask them for to share about like some sort of God incident that week. And these were very literal seventh graders. So they were like, I saw Father Ed, you know. I'm like, well, yes, that's, that's nice. But what I was looking for were like, was there something that made you laugh? Was there something that, that um, you saw that was a beauty? Was there um, a difficult experience that you had when somebody was there for you? Like, you know, I wanted them to sort of open their eyes to the idea that God shows up in all these sort of different ways that aren't necessarily very formulaic, that it's not, like, all going to fit in, like, some little box. Because my big thing in my experience is that I often try to – I have this little box that I live in, and I try and fit God in there. And God's much bigger than that. 
you know. And so God's the one who grabs my hand very gently and pulls me away from the box and says, look, there's this whole other world. Like, I'm looking out the little window, right? And God's like, there's a freaking door right here. And I'm like, oh, look at that. It's so scary. I'll go back to the window. And God's like, come on. So that God consciousness says we've begun to develop this vital sixth sense. And that's, you know, it sounds a little spooky, right? Um, but for me, it's that, that process that is very much in step 10 of just stopping and pausing and being like, okay, what, what do I need to do here? And, you know, it talks about that um, in the big book, that we pause and agitate or doubtful. I'm doubtful a lot. So it means I do a lot of pausing. And sometimes it's like, God, where do you want me to go here? Or just taking a moment and sitting in the chair and taking a deep breath and going, okay, what's the next course of action I need to take here? And it says, but we must go further, and that means more action. In case you haven't gotten that this program is about action, this program is about action. <laughs> you know, my sponsor drilled in my head. This is a spiritual program of action. I can't sit and meditate and hope it's all going to come to me. Like, I need to be moving and doing and connecting with that power greater than me. So then it goes into step 11. It says, much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, direction. Oh, sorry, I did that one. Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy in this matter of prayer. Better men than we are using it constantly. It works. Well, there you go. If we have the proper attitude and work at it. Are you noticing there's a little work involved here? It would be easy to be vague about this matter. And us addicts, we love vagueness. We love vagueness. Yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. And then in the big book, it goes into these questions. And so I'm just going to run through them quickly. And then what I'm going to have you do is a little exercise on this. But this is actually the format that I use in my 10 steps. It says, when we retire at night, like it's really specific, before you go to bed, <laughs> do this. We constructively review our day. So constructively does not mean pull out the bat. It means I look at it, right? The things that I'm watching for. Were we resentful? So I have to ask myself, was I resentful? And my sponsor has me do the little columns if there was someone I was resentful at. Was I selfish? For me, that's a lot of, like, how was I holding back? Because that's a lot of what my disease is, trying to shrink and disappear. And so there's things that I don't say because I think it might bother somebody or whatever. Um, that's a lot of how I am selfish because I think that I shouldn't, shouldn't do anything. Was I dishonest? That one's pretty straightforward. Was I afraid? That's the one I always write a lot about. <laughs> do I owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Ooh. It's like my sponsor used to say to me, what do you not want to tell me? I'm like, <sighs> But, you know, it, it made really good practice because now the sponsor I have shouldn't have to ask me that. I'll just be like, okay, so what I don't want to tell you is, you know, and I have to do it in my 10 step. Is there something that I should share with somebody that should be discussed at once? Were we kind and loving toward all? including the people in traffic that were pissing us off or the person who didn't do what we wanted them to do or, you know, the dog that was irritating. It was, like, kind and loving toward all. What could I have done better? Huh. You know? 
And this one sometimes I have to be careful with because, again, I keep, like, trying to get it done, right? So i got to have it all perfect and, well, there's so many things that could have been better. I usually try and keep that, for me, that list a small um, because I can go off on that one. Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? Oh, <laughs> and, you know, for me, the way that I gauge that is, like, when I'm having conversations with people, am I listening to them? Or am I thinking about what my response is, you know? Or when I'm in a meeting at work, am I thinking about how what we're learning is going to help me to be a better employee? Or am I thinking about how this is going to affect me? You know, and they come down with, like, how we're going to have to do this, and I go, oh, that really sucks in my schedule, and, and I've got this whole conversation about me, Right? Or am I thinking about, hmm, okay, this is interesting. How can I, you know, help out here? Because that's not my default. Like, how can I be of service? <laughs> um, or were we thinking of what we could do for others? What, and were we thinking of what we could pack into the stream of life? And so there I kind of list for myself the ways that I showed up. Because, you know, what, being over 300 pounds, I wasn't showing up very much at all. Um, but we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection. I think they wrote that one just for me. You know, so at this point in the tense of it's Colleen, put the bat down. No, this is not the time to make yourself wrong for all the things that you need to continue to improve. Because it says for that would diminish our usefulness to others. It's just that flip side of the pride you know, that I used to think was a really good thing to have low self-esteem. Like, somehow that was a good thing? I don't understand that. You know, but what I what I get now is that that's just the same as being extremely prideful. It's just the other end of it. Because I'm still thinking about me. It says, after making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So, now that I've looked at my day... By the way, this all takes place in a series of like five minutes. So those of you are like, oh, my God, it's going to take so long. It's been hours. No. It's like on the computer, and I'm like, <clears throat> like, plug stuff into the questions. So I ask God, okay, is there something different you want me to do for tomorrow? And I usually pause, you know, and try and do like a few seconds and just breathe or something and see if there's anything that comes to me. Most often what comes to me is like breathe, stay in today, I'm here. It's usually not a lot of like, what are you thinking, you know? And the beauty of, for me of doing that 10-step at night is that when I wake up in the morning, I have a pretty clear conscience. If there's something that's still sitting on me, then I know that's something that I need to do more work with. Um, my sponsor, in addition, also has me list then 10 things that I'm grateful for. So that's the last thing I'm thinking of before I go to sleep. That's always good. Um, I also have to check off which of the tools that I use. And at the top of my 10-step, it lists my abstinence. You know, so it's it's ever present in my mind, and in those tools, I have to check off whether or not I followed my food plan. And if I didn't, then I need to, you know, talk about what I changed or, you know, who I took talked to about that. So, you know, as a compulsive overeater, those are also very essential elements that aren't listed in the big book because these, you know, these alkaes didn't have that problem. So, so what I'd like to do is I don't know if any of you have your big book with you. It doesn't look like it. So um, what I'm going to do is uh, if anybody needs paper, there's paper and there's pens and stuff over there. So anyone want to just... Okay. So one thing I'd just like you to write down is page 86 
out of the big book, when we retire at night. Okay, that's the paragraph I just went over. That basically tells me how to do a 10 step. It's also in the step 10 where it talks about the question of like watching for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. That's on page 84 of the big book. So, you know, there's a million different kinds of 10 steps that you can do. You know, so if at the end of the day, you can just, if you need to ask yourself, was I selfish, was I dishonest, was I resentful, was I fearful, that's a place to start. You know, if you want to do more formal questions, you can go through and answer the questions on page 86. Other people have other formats. I'm sure your sponsors talk to you about different formats. Um, but what I, one of the things, one of the principles of the 10th step that um, my sponsor really drilled into my head actually comes from the A, 12, and 12, and this is what you're going to do a little bit of writing on. Because for me, as selfish and self-focused as I am, it's hard for me to see things in myself. But one of the things that I've learned is when I'm focusing on something that's bothering me about you, it's an indication of what's going on for me. So on page 90 in the A, 12, and 12, it says, it is a spiritual axiom that every time, my sponsor used to say to me, Colleen, every time, I'm like, really? She's like, every time we're disturbed, no matter what the cause, there's something wrong with us. And the way I look at it is that, it, because I try and shy away from the idea that there's more things wrong with me, is that I'm the one who has the problem. So this person's doing whatever they're doing. My sister's, you know, bugging me about the vacation. She keeps bugging me about the vacation. She's not sitting there going, I want to keep bugging her because I know it kicks her off. She's just doing her thing, right? But I'm irritated by it. I'm like, why does she keep asking the question, okay? So what I have to do is I have to look at why is it bothering me? What's going on for me? What am I making it mean that they're doing whatever it is that they're doing? You know, so what I'd like to give you, I'm going to give you about five minutes, and I'd like you to just think about over just the last 24 hours. If you can't think of anything in the last 24 hours, think about the last week. But when there's been somebody who disturbed you, irritated you, pissed you off, made you angry, made you angry, by the way, yeah, they don't actually do that, but okay. Um, anything that bothered you it could have been something in the news it could have been something you know personal it could have been something in your job you know it could have seemed unrelated okay and i want you to just spend a couple of minutes writing about what was it that bothered you and see if you can identify what defects of character came up for you okay so i'm going to give you about five minutes to do that Okay, so what I'd like you to do now is I'd like you to partner up with somebody, and I give you, I'm going to give you five minutes, and then um, you're going to share with the person that you wrote. And the reason, again, that we do this, you know, it's that same thing of in the question of, like, did I, is there anything that I should share with someone? You know, what I've learned is that when a lot of what we do is we set things down, we keep them hidden, and um, pretend like they don't affect us. But there's something very powerful about sharing things out loud and letting it go that way. So um, you'll each monitor within yourself. You have about two and a half minutes. Um, so you have five minutes total. Okay. Oh, excuse me. I think we ran a couple minutes over, and they're lining up out there for the next one. So, yeah, I know. Time flies. 
much. So I think we need to, to wrap it up. Okay. And how about we take a deep breath and maybe we can just quickly close with, I put my hand in yours for my sake, if no one else's. <laughs> okay. And let's thank Colleen, please. We were just going to close if I put my hand in yours. They, they, they wrapped us out of here. <laughs> okay. How about I put my hand in yours? Okay. I put my hand in yours, and together we can do what we could never do alone. No longer is hopelessness. No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out hands for power and strength greater than ours. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. Keep coming back.